Welcome to the Magic Valley Bible Church Sermon Podcast. Magic Valley Bible Church has been serving the Magic Valley for 20 years and is located at the corner of Gooding and Main Street in downtown Twin Falls, Idaho. Our service starts at 9 a.m. and is streamed live on our YouTube channel. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.mvbibletf.org or Facebook at facebook.com slash mvbible or YouTube at youtube.com slash mvbible. Magic Valley Bible Church, built on God's Word. Well, this morning I invite you to take your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Now, when I was in college, many of you know I attended the Master's University. I took a class specifically on the book of Romans, studying through the book of Romans with a very, very good and very... Uh, well-known professor in the area, Professor Daniel Wong, who had studied the book of Romans for 15 to 20 to maybe even 30 years. And over the course of this class, I think I took roughly 60 to 70 pages of notes, and that was only over the first 12 chapters. It was a matter of outlines and, and theological questions that we had to get through as we were in the class, and I remember that the final exam, the study guide for the final exam was this, very simply stated by our professor, and I quote, know the book of Romans very, very well. And that was our study guide. So, it's interesting because I left that class after the final feeling like I knew less about the book of Romans than when I first walked in. And it's, it's that theological depth that we find here in Romans. It's so rich. It's as if the Apostle Paul is, is writing a dissertation for a PhD in the gospel, but he was inspired by the Holy Spirit while doing it. Martin Luther, when he described the book of Romans, he called it the purest gospel He says, and I quote, it can never be read or pondered too much. And the more it is dealt with, the more precious it becomes. There's one individual who said that Romans is the mountain glorious truth of the gospel sits. And so, in essence, to use that language, I invite you to climb with me onto this mountain of the book of Romans. We're, we're jumping right into the middle of it, and we're only looking at two verses this morning, verses 24 and 25. So let's read those verses together. The word of the Lord says this, For in hope we have been saved. But hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he already sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, with perseverance, we wait eagerly for it. Let's go to the Lord as we consider 
this book this morning. Heavenly Father, guide us as we study your word this morning. May you give us strength and wisdom to understand its meaning, and may we apply it every day in our lives, understanding that your word is applicable to us, that your word teaches us, it strengthens us, it encourages us, it sharpens us. May we understand that this morning, and may we learn what you want us to know looking here at the book of Romans. And Father, it's in your name we pray. Amen. Hope. It's a very sought-after aspect of life. But I would argue that it's one of the most misunderstood aspects of life within our society. There are people who desire to have hope, but they have no idea what it is or how they can obtain it. They don't understand hope. Last September, a magazine known as The Teen Magazine came up with a list of 120 reasons why you should have hope. And indulge me this morning, I'll read a couple to you. You should have hope because, reason number 12, someone smiled at you today. You should have hope because, reason number 33, the internet exists. Which means pre-1960s when the internet came out, no hope existed, apparently. You should have hope because, reason number 26, puppy videos on YouTube. Not sure how that works. Let's try this. You should have hope because, reason number 109, the sound of someone's laughter at your joke. Which, I guess in a sense, that means that your joke has to be funny first. I'm talking to you, Kenny. <laughs> There's no hope for Kenny. You should have hope, reason number 107, because you love yourself. My personal favorite on here, you should have hope because, reason number 65, naps when you feel tired. And we laugh at some of these reasons of hope but statistics show us that society is the other way around. It shows us that the opposite is true, that hope is not as permeated through society as we think it might be. Because statistics show that more people than ever fear the worst for the next generation. And so when we combine that with 120 reasons to have hope, it seems that society is talking about hope. They long for hope, but they don't have any. 
They don't understand what it is. They think they can gain it through 120 different reasons for various degrees, but they don't actually have any hope. So today, I want us to take a look at what is a biblical theology of hope. What is a biblical theology of hope? How do we biblically understand the concept of hope? Because clearly our world doesn't have it right. Clearly our world does not understand what hope really is. The little outline in in your sermon notes insert says, As believers, we have a glorious hope found in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Hope, however, is often misplaced or misunderstood. Therefore, we must have a right view of hope in light of our faith. So I want us to understand what is our theology of hope. And I think that we can see a biblical theology of hope within these two verses here in Romans chapter 8. My goal today, not only to show us what biblical hope is, but for us to have biblical hope. That is, hope that is based on the truth in light of what it is. In knowing what hope is, therefore, we can then have hope, a true hope, a right hope, a lasting hope. So there's three distinct pieces of biblical hope that we're going to see here in this passage, and we're going to go through all three of them in order. And the first one is, if you're taking notes, our hope is built on faith. Our hope is built on faith. Take a look at verse 24, the first part of verse 24 there. It says, For in hope we have been saved. And we'll stop right there. In hope we have been saved. Now, in order for us to understand this, we have to grab a bit of context. Okay, we're jumping right into the middle of a statement here. It begins with the word for, meaning it has to connect with something that happened previously. So we need to grab a little bit of context. So in the verses immediately prior to this, Paul is speaking creation's desire to be rid of the shackles of sin, if you will. He's he's speaking, you see there in verse Uh, 22, we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth until now. Creation longs to be rid of sin, the, the fallen nature of our world. And he's the same to believers having that same longing. You see that in verse 23, there in the latter half, even we ourselves groan within ourselves waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. And so we get to verse 24, looking at hope, and Paul is tying the redemption of our bodies 
to a biblical theology of hope. It says, for in hope we have been saved. In this hope, if you're going to be as literal as you possibly can be, in this hope, that is the hope of the redemption of our body, we have been saved. Now, on an initial reading of this, it seems as if Paul is suggesting hope as the means of our salvation. It seems that it looks like hope is how we gain salvation. That's what it looks like on the surface level. But we know that's not true. You read Ephesians 2.8, and we understand that to say, for by grace you have saved. And so hope doesn't really fit as the means of our salvation here. So we have to ask ourselves, what is Paul trying to say? What is Paul pointing out? This hope, this hope of, of having redemption in our bodies, it's, it's in association with our salvation. It's in association with our salvation. It, a way to say this is that our, our faith, our salvation, and hope are so closely linked together that you cannot have hope without faith, and you cannot have faith without hope. Paul is saying that the faith we were given in salvation, that faith is the basis for our hope. Our hope of of gaining a redemption body, a new redemption body, that faith is the basis of our hope. To illustrate this concept based on, on my outline of faith or hope is built on faith, think about it this way. Parents approach their kids around the middle of February and say, kids, this year during summer vacation, we're going to go to Disney World. And you can all imagine the reaction of those kids, right? They start freaking out right there, jumping up and down, running all over the house. They're going to Disney World. They're so excited. There's so much joy in that moment. And and as time progresses, there is a hope that is associated with the joy that the kids have, with the understanding that they have that they're going to Disney World. They start buying their Mickey Mouse shirts. They got the mouse ears. They're planning out every ride that they're going to go on, every character that they're going to see. There is hope associated with what the parents told them. The basis of the kids' hope is built on the faith that they have in their parents. Essentially, the child is recognizing in their mind that our parents are true to their word. They keep their promises. And so when our parents say that we're going to go to Disney World, that's what they mean. We're going to go to Disney World. This story is actually my own story. 
growing up, we went to Disney World. And when my parents told us that, whoa, 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 I did laps around the house. I was so excited about who I was going to meet. I wanted to see Dick, uh, Mickey. I wanted to see Donald. I did not want to see Goofy. He's too weird. And I only really ended up seeing Rafiki, the, the monkey, which was weird. But leading up to that time, there's so much hope. There's so much excitement. There's so much joy. And it's all based on the faith that the kids have in their parents. They understand that their parents keep their promises. They understand that their parents wouldn't lie to them. They understand that their parents are true to their word, and they have been true to their word in the past, so there's no reason to doubt them now. That's the basis of their hope. And so now you can see why our hope as true believers and followers of Christ is so much better than the world's version of hope. Because the world's hope is built on nothing. It's built on nothing. Several years ago at a summer camp for kids, I was the worship director there And myself and my fellow staff members came up with a modernized version of the solid rock. We sang that hymn this morning. And the first line of our new rendition says this, My hope is built on nothing less than good looks, fame, and lots of cash. And that's true for the world, isn't it? That's the world's hope. Which is... Not much. But yet our hope, our hope as believers, is built on faith. Faith in a God who does not waver. Faith in a God who keeps his promises. Faith in a God who does not fail. You sing that hymn, and we see there, On Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. That's what our hope is built on. Faith in a God who is true to his word, who keeps his promises, who doesn't lie to us. Take a look at Titus. What Titus says in chapter 1, verse 2, says, In the hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised Long ages ago, our hope is built on faith. Notice again in 1 Peter chapter 1, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Our hope is built on faith, and that faith is not sinking sand. Our faith is not money. Our faith is not fame. Our faith is not insurance. Our faith is the truth of God's word given to us, understanding the eternal life that he has promised to us.
moving on to point number two, we, we first see that hope is built on faith. Now we see that our hope looks forward with certainty. Our hope looks forward with certainty. Take a look at the latter half of verse 24. It says, But hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he already sees? Paul here is making a very logical argument about the essence of hope. Hope is not defined by present realities, but on something that is to come. I keep cutting out, David. Am I okay? Oh, nice. That's all right. Hope is not defined by present realities, but something that is to come. To use an example here, I cannot hope to have this pencil. I already have it. There's no hope in that. It's, it's a present reality. I hold it in my hand. I have it, so I can't really hope to have it. It's a very logical argument that Paul's making. It's not how hope works. Hope is forward-looking. Hope is something that is to come. But I want you to notice, notice my wording here when I say, point number two, our hope looks forward with what? With certainty. Our hope looks forward with certainty. When we look at the Bible, when we understand a biblical concept of hope, the Bible doesn't use hope as a future 50-50 shot, as a possibility that we could have. It's not something that could happen. It's not a chance. No, the Bible looks at hope as a longing for what will happen. That is a biblical concept of hope. It's not by chance. It's a certainty. If you don't believe me, notice, take a look at Proverbs 23, 18. It says, surely there is a future and your hope will not be cut off. That hope is a certainty. How about the next chapter, Proverbs 24, 14. It says, know that wisdom is thus for your soul. If you find it, then there will be a future and your hope will not be cut off. Nearly identical wordings. Hope is a forward-looking certainty, not a chance. It's not some unknown desire. It's a guarantee of what will come. And yet again, we can see this in contrast with the world's concept of hope, can't we? The world looks forward with no confidence of what's to come. Their hope is, is a shot in the dark. Think about it this way. When we give some kind of profession of faith who don't really understand faith, that their, their faith, so-called, is 
well, I hope I did enough good things. I hope I lived a good life. There's no certainty in that. There's no guarantee. It's like a hope in winning the lottery. If, if I buy enough lottery tickets, I might win. There's no guarantee. It's not a certainty. But our hope is. Our hope looks forward with certainty as a result There is so much joy. When we say we have hope, there's such a joy in that statement for us. Because our hope is a certainty. It's a promise based on faith from from God on what God has promised to us. And we know that God keeps his promises. So our hope is not a chance. It's it's not an uncertainty. It is a certainty. For the world, their hope is looking forward totally uncertain because they have no basis for their hope. It goes back to our first point. The world's forward-looking of hope is bleak because they have nothing that it's built on. They don't understand how hope truly works because hope has to be grounded. True hope has to be grounded in faith. And the world does not have that faith. This then takes us to our third and and final aspect of hope. We've seen that hope is built on faith. We've seen that hope looks forward with certainty. They're building on one another. Now, number three, our hope is evidenced by patient endurance. Our hope is evidenced by patient endurance. Take a look at verse 25 with me. It says, but if we hope for what we do not see with perseverance, we wait eagerly for it. If we hope for what we do not see with perseverance, we wait eagerly for it. It's at this point that Paul shows us what the outworking of our hope must be. He shows us what our hope ought like in this present life. What our hope, in essence, ought to be characterized by. When we say we have hope, what does that look like for us now? How do we understand hope in the present? Now we know that hope hasn't been fully realized yet. We know that it's not a present reality, but we know that we have to live in hope. We know that our hope is still being worked out in this day with a forward-looking reality. So how how do we live with this understanding of hope? How do we live recognizing that our hope is built on faith and that our hope carries with it 
a certainty of the future. What does biblical hope look like practically? And Paul's going to make it very plain for us. He says, with perseverance, we wait eagerly for it. Now, this idea of perseverance, or another word for it would be endurance, this idea here, it's often attributed in Scripture to believers who face trials. Here's a couple examples of it. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. We know this passage well. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If I go back to Hebrews chapter 10, Hebrews chapter 10, it says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. This, this concept of, of perseverance or endurance, we recognize that there are trials that are associated with that in this present life because we live in a fallen world. We, we long for our final redemption. We long to be with the Lord, but we recognize that that is not a reality yet. We are living in a fallen world. We long for that glorious day, and we know with a certainty that it's coming, but we recognize that we are not yet there, and so we will endure trials because the hope that is within us is the confirmation of the glory to come. I want to look at that verse one more time, Hebrews 10.23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. We have all three aspects built into this verse. Let us hold fast now the confession of hope that is forward-looking, for he who promised is faithful. Hope that is built on faith. Try this one, Proverbs 10, 28, verse. It says, the hope of the righteous is gladness. We endure in life with hope that gives us great joy. The hope of the righteous is gladness. How about in Lamentations chapter 3, verse 24, it says, the Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I have hope in him. We patiently endure knowing the certainty of the end result and the hope that there is in it and the joy that we have knowing the certainty that is to come.
Now the world, as a contrast, they, they don't understand us as believers. They look at us as if we're crazy because we go through life, we endure suffering, we endure sorrow, we endure pain, and they look at us and they say, how do you have hope? How do you have joy? Because we endure the pain, we endure the sorrow, we endure the suffering, keeping our eyes fixed on Christ. Because we know that it is because of the hope that is within us. We know that without a shadow of a doubt that when the Lord calls us home to be with him, we know how joyous, how wonderful, how amazing that day will be. And so we presently endure patiently. We endure the trials of life, the hardships of life, and while the world sees things and says, oh, I can't bear it. We see these things and we know that we have hope and therefore we know that enduring these trials, enduring these sufferings is worth it. We know that we can get through the day. We know that we can get through the troubles of life because of the great hope that we have of the certainty of the promises of God and the promises that he has made throughout Scripture and that he has made to all those in Scripture so evident the glorious hope that God has given to us. Now let me be very clear on this. If, if you don't get anything else, get this. That when it comes to hope, there is no greater hope than the hope that is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. You've heard me contrast over and over again the hope that we have and the hope of the world. And my goal this morning is that you would see how important our hope is because it's the only hope that we can actually hope in. Hope is built on faith. Faith in a God who does not change. Faith in a God who has been faithful to us from beginning to the end, from Genesis 1-1 all the way through to the end of the book of Revelation. We see one major theme is that God has been faithful and therefore we have hope of what is to come. Our hope looks forward with certainty, certain that God will be true to his promises as he always has been. And as a result of that, our hope is evidenced by patient endurance. Knowing that no matter the hardship, no matter the trial, no matter the problem, we will endure because it is worth it. Because we have a hope that is unfading, given to us from God, 
from the faith that we have Our hope is so glorious, friends. And if you don't have that hope this morning, I invite you to to ask yourself the question, why? Why don't you have that hope this morning? And I will tell you outright, it is because you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's why you do not have hope this morning if you don't. He is the only hope that we have, and what a glorious hope that is. What a wonderful promise that he has given to us through his word. And it's on that basis, it's on the word of God, through this, that we can understand the concept of biblical hope. Do you see that this morning? Do you see how wonderful hope is? And how how dismal life would be without it? Friends, hope in the Lord. For He is our salvation. He is the truth of our lives. He is the only one who can give us true hope. Bow with me. Lord, we thank you for the great hope that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ who came to earth as both God and sinless man who endured the punishment that we deserved and then rose again so that we might have this great hope. Lord, we thank you for your word and the truth that it contains for us. And we pray that we would seek to live it out in our lives. We pray that our hope would grow ever stronger as we draw closer and closer to you. We thank you. We love you this morning. And it's in your great name that we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Thank you for listening to the Magic Valley Bible Church Sermon Podcast. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.mvbibletf.org or Facebook at facebook.com slash mvbible or YouTube at youtube.com slash mvbible.